Welcome to Mornings with Jesus. This is a live, interactive Bible study where we can connect with Christ and community daily and deeply. Join us every weekday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we read a chapter of the Bible, pray, and share our reflections. Whether you are joining live or on the replay, I know God will meet you here. I also want to invite you to the Faith Mamas Tribe app. This is a free app where women of faith can connect, be encouraged, and have their faith strengthened. It's the online social space I know you've been looking for. So make sure to do three things before we start. One, subscribe to this channel. Two, share this with a friend. And three, download the app. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. Now let's dive in today's Mornings with Jesus. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Mornings with Jesus. I am so excited that you guys are here today. If this is your first time here, welcome. Hello, my name is Dominique Young, and I'm excited to be here with you guys to study the Bible this morning. I am excited. And before we jump in, I want to say hello and welcome to some of my friends that I see here live this morning. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Barb. Good morning, Brenda. Good morning, Brickell. Good morning, Lilith. Good morning, Allison. Good morning, Shanda. Uh, good morning, Lashana. Good morning, Nydia. Good morning, Anastasia. Or good day, Anastasia. Good morning, Erica. It's good to see you live this morning. Hey, hey. Good morning, Audrey. Good morning, Lanita. Good morning, Donna Lanita. Good morning, uh, CJ. Good morning, Brandy. Good morning, Jessica. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, Donita. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, good morning. And hello to everybody watching on the replay. Hey, hey, hey. We are glad that you are here with us this morning or whatever time it is where you are, whatever time it is where you are. I am in, I am in on the East Coast, so it is 6 a.m. where I am, and it may be some other time where you are. It might be evening. I think in Australia, it's evening time. Uh, in Italy, it's afternoon. Um, so let's just say it's today with Jesus. Come on. <laughs> Amen. Let's spend our today with Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, y'all. Well, before we jump in to the reading today, which is Joshua chapter eight, um, I want to ask you guys, what are you grateful to God for this morning? What are you grateful to God for this morning or this afternoon or this evening? Something happens and changes on the inside of us when we shift our minds to a place of gratitude. We shift our mind to a place of gratitude. It really does shift everything. Erica says, I'm so grateful I finally got past the daylight savings change and made it. Woohoo! Yes, I'm glad too. Yes, that day, daylight savings time, man, oh man. Some people are advocating for us to not change again, like to stay and not change from uh, different times. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> Good morning, Roma. Lanita said, grateful for community. Me too, sis. I am grateful for community as well. Y'all, can I also say, I'm grateful for reading the book of Joshua with you all. And actually, it's been throwing me into a study of the book of Joshua, like a, just a deep dive. I find myself constantly in the book of Joshua, which is great for me because 
I've read the book of Joshua quite a few times, but it's one of those books where I'm just like, okay, I got to read this. I got to get through it. Like there's so many just uncomfortable moments for me. Um, and so it's been great to really, really, really dig deep um, into this book. It's been amazing to do that. Lilith says, I'm grateful to God for everything. Amen. Good morning, Ellen. So glad to see you. Lynn says, I'm grateful to be here live this morning. And we are grateful you're here. Donita says, I'm grateful that today is the Warrior Wives Meetup. Woohoo! So hyped to see my sisters and thankful for the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Raquel says, grateful that his mercy endures forever. Ellen says, grateful for a lifetime to get to know Jesus. Come on, to get to know Jesus for a lifetime. Amen. Brenda says, grateful for finally being able to get on and study with you all. I'm grateful to see you. I've seen you in the replay comments, and so I'm grateful to see you here live this morning. Audrey says, I am grateful for this time with Faith Mamas. It really got me focused. Grateful. Amen. Hallelujah. Brandy says, grateful for the power of discipline. Woo. Woo. Okay. Amen. Allison says, I'm grateful for God's word and grateful God is with me wherever I go. He is my peace, my comforter, my refuge, my healer, and he restores my mind every morning. Amen. Jessica says, I'm grateful for it all. Let's start there. Come on. Hallelujah. Lynn says, also thankful for my daughter. One year ago today, she had surgery for failure to thrive. Then she's been thriving since. Amen. Amen. I see you put it in there. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to say it right, but pyloric syntosis, baby. Mm, I got to look that up. I don't know what that is, but praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that she is here, she is well, and she is thriving. Hallelujah. Mary says, I'm grateful for the challenging day yesterday and getting through it. I'm grateful for pillow talk with my husband, even if I'm pressing now. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Anastasia says, grateful for all the Lord is doing in my life and family and thankful I can listen even when I can't type. Amen. Amen. Mary says, I'm grateful for being able to pray for others. I'm grateful I can be quick to listen and slow to speak. Come on. Some of the things that we are grateful for, hallelujah, is absolutely amazing. Nidia says, um, you and this app, oh, praise God. Dominique, through your obedience, I'm finally going to do what's been in my heart to serve and love single mamas. Thank you, Dominique, for this opportunity. Yeah, shout out to Nidia. So she has um, really reached out and she has a, a heart and a desire to support single moms. And we were in a DM with Donita and um, Lanita and a few others um, talking about how we can do that better. And so she started a group. She's actually changed her Miami group to this uh, the single mom, single mama circle. Um, where single moms can get the support they need. But we're we're planning to do a whole lot um, through that group and support the women that are there. So if you know or if you are um, a single mama and you would like sisterhood, community, and support, this is going to be the place for you. She has a heart for it, and I'm excited to see what God is going to do through her. Um, and I'm just excited to be along for the ride and how how, how we as Faith Mama, the whole community can come alongside and support as well. So God is good. I'm so excited. Anastasia said, grateful for all the Lord is doing in my life and family and thankful I can listen even when I can't type. Amen. I read that. It feels like, yeah, I did. (laughs) 
Amen. Let me see. Brenda says, um, one year ago today, my mama went home to be with the Lord. Grateful father had mercy on my mother. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Joanne says, I'm grateful for another Thursday. Donnie, this is praising God for all he is doing through this app. Me too. I'm praising God for all that he's doing um, just through this community and people just willing to, to serve one another. I'm just excited. Shanna says, I'm definitely, I definitely, I'm excited. Definitely need extra support being a single mom. It's tough. Yeah. Check that, that group out in the app. We just set it up um, last night. Uh, so we're just really excited for all that is going to come from that group. I'm excited. All right, y'all. Well, if you got to praise and you got to let it out, don't let me stop you. I'm about to pray us in as we prepare to jump into Joshua chapter eight. Um, and so again, don't let me stop your praise. Don't let me stop your praise. But we are going to get ready to pray. Feel free to continue to type in what you're grateful for. Um Amen. Brandy said, that's wonderful. I was raised by a single mom. Community is so much needed for support. Amen. And Barb says, being grateful is interesting. It's challenging to point out one or in general, I am grateful. I have not quit or fallen off. I've been a procrastinator, but this community, come on. Hallelujah. Come on. Amen. I'm grateful for y'all. I'm grateful. Okay. We're going to pray, but don't let me stop your praise. Keep that minute. Um, but we're going to pray. Father God, we thank you. Lord, there's so much to thank you for. There's so much to thank you for, Lord. We could literally spend this whole time being grateful and thanking you, Lord, and it still wouldn't be enough time. Um, So, Lord, we just thank you so much for who you are, for what you're doing, for how you're moving in our lives. And, Lord, as we prepare to read Joshua chapter 8, I pray that you would show us yourself, Lord, that it would become more than just words on a page, but that you would you would show us you and that you would connect the dots throughout the whole scripture, Lord. I pray that we don't just see this in isolation, but that we're able to see this through the lens of what you've been doing throughout time. So Lord, we thank you. Lord, we pray that you lead us. We pray that you guide us. We pray that you show us what it is that you want us to see this morning. And Father, our desire is for our ears and our eyes and our hearts and our minds to be open to you. Lord, whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable, Lord God, whether it's easy or hard, Father, we pray that we grow closer to you through it all. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 All right, here we go, y'all. We are in Joshua chapter eight. I will be reading from the CSB translation. You can feel free to read from whatever translation you have available to you. Um, the, the way that we do it here is that we read the chapter two times through. And this is a very long chapter, but praise the Lord. I'm excited to read it twice. And we do that on purpose. The first time we just kind of get a picture in our minds. The second time we underline, highlight, um, and just write notes and things like that. And we go into a time of personal reflection and then to a time of corporate reflection. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, then you are absolutely in the right place. All right, here we go. Joshua chapter eight, again, I'm in the CSB translation. You can feel free to be in whatever translation you have available. Here we go. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid or discouraged. Take all the troops with you and go attack Ai. Look, I have handed over to you the king of Ai, 
his people, city, and land. Treat Ai and its king as you did Jericho and its king, except that you may plunder its spoil and livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush behind the city. So Joshua and all the troops set out to attack Ai. Joshua selected 30,000 of his best soldiers and sent them out at night. He commanded them, pay attention, lie in ambush behind the city, not too far from it, and all of you be ready. Then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city. When they come out against us, as they did the first time, we will flee from them. They will come after us until we have drawn them away from the city, for they will say, they are fleeing from us as before. While we are fleeing from them, you are to come out of your ambush and seize the city. The Lord your God will hand it over to you. After taking the city, set it on fire. Follow the Lord's command. See that you do as I have ordered you. So Joshua sent them out and they went to ambush the ambush site and waited between Bethel and Ai to the west of Ai. But he spent that night with the troops. Joshua started early in the morning, the next morning, and mobilized them. Then he and the elders of Israel led the troops up to Ai. All those who were with him went up and approached the city, arriving opposite Ai, and camped the north of it, with the valley between them and the city. Now Joshua had taken about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai to the west of the city. The troops were stationed in this way, the main camp to the north of the city and its rear guard to the west of the city. And that night, Joshua went into the valley. When the king of Ai saw the Israelites, the men of the city hurried and went out early in the morning so that he and all his people could engage Israel in battle at a suitable place facing the Arabah. But he did not know there was an ambush waiting for him behind the city. Joshua and all of the, all Israel pretended to be beaten back by them and fled towards the wilderness. Then all the troops of Ai were summoned to pursue them, and they pursued Joshua and were drawn away from the city. Not a man was left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel, leaving the city exposed while they pursued Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, hold out the javelin in your hand toward Ai for I will hand the city over to you. So Joshua held out his javelin toward it. When he held out his hand, the men in the ambush rose quickly from their position. They ran, entered the city, captured it, and immediately set it on fire. The men of Ai turned and looked back, and the smoke from the city was rising to the sky. They could not escape in any direction, and the troops who fled to the wilderness now became the pursuers. When Joshua and all Israel saw that the men in the ambush had captured the city and that the smoke was rising from it, they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. Then men in the ambush came out of the city against it, and the men of Ai were trapped between the Israelite forces, some on one side and some on the other. They struck them down until no survivor or fugitive remained, but they captured the king of Ai alive and brought him to Joshua. <clears throat> When Israel had finished killing everyone living in Ai who had pursued them into the open country, <clears throat> and when every last one of them had fallen by the sword, all Israel returned to Ai 
and struck it down with the sword. The total of those who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000 and all the people of Ai. Joshua did not draw back his hand that was holding the javelin until the inhabitants of Ai were completely destroyed. Israel plundered only the cattle and spoil of, the, of that city for themselves, according to the Lord's command that he had given Joshua. Joshua burned Ai and left it permanently and left it a permanent ruin, still desolate today. He hung the body of the king of Ai on a tree until evening. And at sunset, Joshua commanded that they take his body down from the tree. They drew it down at the entrance of the city gate and put a large pile of rocks over it, which still remain today. At that time, Joshua built an altar on Mount Ebal to the Lord, the God of Israel, just as Moses, the servant, had commanded the Israelites. He built it according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no iron tool has been used. Then they offer burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed fellowship offerings on it. There on the stone, Joshua copied the law of Moses, which he had written in the presence of the Israelites. All Israel, resident alien and citizen alike, with their elders, officers, and judges, stood on either side of the ark of the Lord's covenant facing the Levitical priest who carried it. Half of them were in the front of Mount Gerizim and half in the front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the Lord's servant, had commanded earlier concerning the blessing the people concerning blessing the people of Israel. Afterward, Joshua read aloud all the words of the law, the blessings as well as the curses, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read before the entire assembly of Israel, including the women, the dependents, and the resident aliens who lived among them. Let's read this chapter one more time. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid or discouraged. Take all the troops with you and go attack Ai. Look, I've handed over to you the king of Ai, his people, city, and land. Treat Ai and its king as you did Jericho and its king except that you may plunder its spoil and livestock for yourself. Set an ambush behind the city. So Joshua and all the troops set out to attack Ai. Joshua selected 30,000 of his best soldiers and sent them out at night. He commanded them, pay attention, lie in ambush behind the city, not too far from it, and all of you be ready. Then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city. When they come out against us, as they did the first time, we will flee from them. They will come after us until we have drawn them away from the city, for they will say they are fleeing from us as before. While we are fleeing from them, you are to come out of your ambush and seize the city. The Lord your God will hand it over to you. After taking the city, set it on fire. Follow the Lord's command. See that you do as I have ordered you. So Joshua sent them out and they went to ambush the ambush site and waited between Bethel and Ai to the west of Ai. But he spent that night with the troops. Joshua started early the next morning 
and mobilized them. Then he and the elders of Israel led the troops up to Ai. All those who were with him went up and approached the city arriving opposite Ai and camped to the north of it with a valley between them and the city. Now Joshua had taken about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai to the west of the city. The troops were stationed in this way, the main camp to the north of the city and its rear guard to the west of the city. And that night, Joshua went into the valley. When the king of Ai saw the Israelites, the men of the city hurried and went out early in the morning so that he and all his people could engage Israel in battle at a suitable place facing the Arabah. But he did not know there was an ambush waiting for him behind the city. Joshua and all Israel pretended to be beaten back by them and fled toward the wilderness. Then all the troops of Ai were summoned to pursue them, and they pursued Joshua and were drawn away from the city. Not a man was left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel, leaving the city exposed while they pursued Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, hold out the javelin in your hand toward Ai, for I will hand the city over to you. So Joshua held out his javelin toward it. When he held out his hand, the men in ambush ran quickly from their positions. They ran, entered the city, captured it, and immediately set it on fire. The men of Ai turned and looked back and smoke from the city was rising to the sky. They could not escape in any direction and the troops who had fled to the wilderness now became the pursuers. When, the jo when Joshua and all Israel saw that the men in ambush had captured the city and that smoke was rising from it, they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. Then men in ambush came out of the city against them, and the men of Ai were trapped between the Israelite forces, some on one side and some on the other. They struck them down until no survivor or fugitive remained but they captured the king of Ai alive and brought him to Joshua. When Israel had finished killing everyone living in Ai who had pursued them into the open country, and when every last one of them had fallen by the sword, all Israel returned to Ai and struck it down with the sword. The total of those who fell that day, both men and women, was 12,000, all the people of Ai. Joshua did not draw back his hand that was holding the javelin until all the inhabitants of Ai were completely destroyed. Israel plundered only the cattle and spoil of that city for themselves, according to the Lord's command that he had given Joshua. Joshua burned Ai and left it in permanent ruin, still desolate today. He hung the body of the king of Ai on a tree until evening. And at sunset, Joshua commanded that they take his body down from the tree. They threw it down at the entrance of the city and put a large pile of rocks over it, which still remains today. At that time, Joshua built an altar on Mount Ebal to the Lord, the God of Israel, just as Moses, the Lord's servant, had commanded the Israelites. He built it according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no iron tool has been used. Then they offered burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed fellowship offerings on it. There on the stones, Joshua copied the law of Moses 
which he had written in the presence of the Israelites. All Israel, resident alien, citizen alike, with their elders, officers, and judges, stood on either side of the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, facing the Levitical priests who carried it. Half of them were in front of the Mount of Mount Gerizim and half in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the Lord's servant, had commanded earlier concerning blessing the people of Israel. Afterward, Joshua read aloud all the words of the law, the blessings as well as the curses, according to all that it, all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not that Joshua did not read before the entire assembly of Israel, including women, the dependents, and the resident aliens who lived among them. All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you're here with us as we read through this book of Joshua. And Lord, as we move into a time of personal reflection, we pray and ask you, Lord, to help us to see you, to help us to know you. Lord, we pray that we are able to see you soberly. And Lord God, we pray that you would show us what it is that you want us to see this morning. That you would use the questions, the thoughts, the reflections of each and every one of us to paint the picture that you want us to see. Lord, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise, and we trust you to lead us and guide us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. All right. Let's take a few moments to reflect on Joshua chapter 8, and then we'll come back together and reflect corporately. Here we go. Is it just me or did the reflection music sound really sad after reading this chapter? Maybe it was just me, but I was just like, I never realized how sad that music felt. Maybe it's just me today. Okay, so we are getting ready to reflect on Joshua chapter eight. Before we do, I want to give a little bit of background just in case you weren't here yesterday or you haven't been reading Joshua with us. Um, So this is the city of the heir of AI. And um, before this chapter, what happened was that they went out to battle AI um, and they went out without God and 
AI basically beat them and they ended up running away from AI. So before that, though, all of the surrounding nations um, were, all of the surrounding nations were nervous about the children of Israel because they had seen um, how God had moved and they knew that the children of Israel and their God was coming to their cities. And so they were kind of, they were nervous about it, all the surrounding cities. And we see what happened with Jericho. But then with this battle at Ai, Ai got a little bit of confidence about them. And the, the children of Israel constructed this plan that would, uh, that would kind of capitalize on the confidence that they had because they thought that they had beat them. Um, and they thought maybe that they were more powerful than, um, than the children of Israel. And so that was the plan that Joshua laid out is to basically lure them away. So that's how, that's why that plan worked is because of the previous um, battle that had happened there um, previously. So that's why the plan worked. All right. So what are you all, what's standing out to you guys from this chapter? Because my goodness, I got a lot of notes here. I got a lot of notes and the things that the direction that God took me in my notes was not what I was expecting. Um, so I'm excited to see where God was leading you. CJ says, verse one through two, the will of God will still be done despite what happened in chapter seven. But this time, Joshua and the Israelites followed God's direction. Also, do not be afraid or discouraged stood out. She goes on to say also verse 34 through 35 stood out as well. Joshua read aloud all the words of the law, the blessing and the curses according to all that was written in the book of the law. Come on. Donita said, verse one, do not be afraid or discouraged. Reminds me of God's earlier command to Joshua to be strong and courageous. To be strong and courageous. Jessica says, verse one, verse nine, verse 31 and 33 stood out to her. Let's go to verse nine. Verse nine says, so Joshua sent them out and they went to the ambush site and waited between Bethel and Ai to the west of Ai, but he spent the night with the troops. Yes, yeah, so he kind of divvied up and, and, and assigned everything that was supposed to be happening. Joshua said, uh, Brandy said, Joshua rose early in the morning to do God's work, stood out to me. I noticed this since we started reading Joshua. This was a hard chapter to read. Oh, girl. Yes, it was. I'm, a, I'm glad somebody said it because I was like, was it hard for me? Just me, God, am I the only one over here struggling? Um, so thank you for saying that because, who am I? Lenita said, question, when something in the Bible says until this day, does that mean until our present day, like God made it so that it would always be relevant fact, no matter which age reads it? Um, no, typically when it says to this day, it means to the day in which that person is writing it. Um, so whoever, so whenever they wrote this, that thing was still there to that point when they were writing or telling this story, right? So yeah, yeah, great question. Lilith says, verse one, um, do not be afraid or discouraged. Come on, it's coming up a lot. Uh, Anastasia said, the hard chapters leave me asking, but is God wicked? No. When he decides to fight for you, he will use every measure to give you victory. 
If God is for us, who can be against us? Whew. Okay. Allison said, do not be afraid or discouraged. Don't get into a situation already defeated. We need attitudes that we're already victorious over the enemy. Verse four, pay attention. You shall lie and wait. Be ready in action. Whoo, my, my, my. Hallelujah. Barb says, the music makes me slow down. I truly empty my mind, breathe, and thank God <laughs> during the reflections. Amen. Come on. Mary says, the chapter reminds me when God gives a command, follow through, even if it looks like you're losing. It's a setup. Hallelujah. Also, someone has gone before you. Follow the instructions in the path from before. Anastasia said, he is the mighty man in battle, the mighty man of war. Romans says, chapter seven, disobedience led to defeat. God's judgment led to repentance. Chapter eight, obedience leads them to victory. Come on. Lessons and blessings. The outcome is always connected to following God's instructions. She goes on to say chapter seven. No, I think it's the same thing. Yep. God's instructions. Erica said, God can use your mistakes too. Come on, y'all are pulling out some good, timeless truths. Anastasia said, God is always intentional and specific with his instructions. Our part is to trust and obey. Roma says, verse one, how God reassures him again, kind of as a reminder not to let yesterday's failures hinder today's success. Brandy says, can you remind me who are the people residing in these areas being Conquered. Yeah. So these are the people right now. These are the people in AI. Um, and before that, uh, before that, that was the people in Jericho. So if we're looking at now, basically you look at the area um, where Israel is now, what we typically term the Middle East. So that's where this battle is going on. It's in that Middle Eastern area. Right. Um, so that's what we would say today. So actually, I love all of the timeless truths that everybody is pulling out. I find that they are so powerful and they are helping me because I'll be honest, I read, I actually pre-read this chapter and then I read some more and some of the direction that God took me in, in my reflection was a little different. And I want to, I want to mix all of it together, right. To see what God is saying to us completely. Um, so when Jesus, so I'm going to take us to the New Testament and come back because this is where my reflection went. So when Jesus came on the scene as Messiah, the question is, why didn't everybody accept him? Like, why didn't everybody see him as a Messiah? And the truth is that they were expecting another Joshua. They were expecting Jesus to come in as a mighty man of war and for, for Jesus to, for the Messiah, I should say, they were expecting for the Messiah to be this mighty man of war that could deliver them from the hands of the people that were currently oppressing them, that could deliver them from Rome. But when Jesus came, he didn't do what Joshua did. The interesting thing about the parallels between Jesus and Joshua is first of all, their names are the same in Hebrew. So that's, first of all, it's an amazing fact. So we already see the dynamics between these two people in the scriptures. And so 
if we look at Joshua, but don't look at the parallels between Joshua and Jesus and the differences between Joshua and Jesus to understand God more fully, then we are, I believe, missing a part of the picture. And so we've got this Messiah that comes on the scene in the New Testament. When we read the New Testament, we've got this Messiah that comes on the scene, but he is not doing it the way that Joshua did it. And the promised land that he is taking his people to is not the same as the promised land that Joshua was taking his people to. And so uh, I wrote this thing in my book. I said, um, they, they wanted another Joshua, but God sent Jesus. Why? Why the stark contrast? So that just hit me. So when Jesus came on the scene, they wanted another Joshua, but God sent Jesus. Why? That, that question, it just resonated with me. And then I began to see the differences between, um, between how Jesus, what Jesus did and what God used Joshua to do. And what picture is he painting between the two? And that just, that just hit me. And this is the last little piece because I can go down a whole rabbit trail. I find it interesting. And like I said, y'all, Joshua is one of those books that I grapple with because, yeah. Anyway, I find it interesting that when they first lost to AI, Joshua's response was this. And in Joshua 7, verse 7, oh, Lord God, Joshua said, why did you ever bring these people across the Jordan to hand us over to the Amorites for our destruction? If only we had been content to remain on the other side of the Jordan, what can I say, Lord, now that Israel had turned its back and run from its enemies? When the Canaanites and all who live in the land hear about this, they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. Then they will do, um, they will, then what will you do about your great name? Then what will you do about your great name? So that was Joshua's, we see a little glimpse of what comes out of Joshua's heart there. And, and, and we see that he is like, Hold up, wait a minute. We should be winning. We should be winning. We should not be suffering. Why did you even bring us out here? And then you see the stark contrast with Jesus who is willing to suffer for the will of God to be done. So it's just the complete, it's like, God, what are you trying to show us about? What are you trying to show us with these differences in character? What are you trying to show us in these differences in character? And why do I say that? I say that because I think that for me, Oftentimes it can be very easy to see um, to see these mighty men in the scriptures and then miss what God is trying to show us by showing us the differences between the two. 
This is who the children of Israel wanted. This is the type of Messiah they wanted, which is why many of them rejected Jesus because here he was, some man from Nazareth. He wasn't starting a violent rebellion. He wasn't going to fight for their freedom. And then he dies on a tree, which to, to them is the ultimate sign of defeat. We see this here when it said he hung the, the king of Ai on a tree. So this is the ultimate sign of defeat. And Jesus Christ is now is hung on a tree, which is the ultimate sign of defeat. It is com it completely messes with what they thought would happen. This Joshua and all of what Joshua did is what they expected the Messiah to be. And now can you understand why that must have been a mind trip for them? Like, wh who is this guy? It can't be him type of understanding. I mean, I could go on and on, but that's really just standing out to, to me, which is why the stark contrast? What is God wanting us to see between the, con the stark contrast? Ah, why the stark contrast? Hmm. Lynn said, so I highlighted what was standing out, but my baby crawled up in my lap and went back to sleep. Hey, man, I understand. I understand. She said, verse one, she said, do not be afraid or discouraged. Just like a reminder back to chapter one, be strong and courageous in the Lord. Ah, Brandy said, I guess what I'm trying to ask is why specifically these areas God chose to conquer. So back way, way back. He talks about like the sin in certain areas reaching a certain point. So we know that there must have been some type of, from what he was saying, there must have been some type of sin in these areas um, that he was judging these areas for. And so, but we don't get a good close glimpse at what exactly they were doing, what was happening there. We know that they were worshiping other gods. We know that, um, there was some, we learned later that there were some that worshiped a God named Molech and um, this God Molech required human sacrifices, um, which means that they, many of those that worship Molech were sacrificing their children um, on the altar of Molech uh, by burning them with fire. Um, so we know that they were doing some of these things. We don't get a close, close glimpse at what exactly was happening, but we know that some things were going on. And then God tells them, tells the children of Israel, do not do what they're doing. Don't go and take their land and then repeat what they're doing. And we actually see that Israel does the opposite later on is that they start doing what they're doing. They raise up like shrines and things to all these other gods. And so that, so that is what, that's what the these these nations, according to scripture, that's what was happening in these nations, right? But again, it doesn't give us a super close look. We know about Molech. We learn about that in the scriptures. We learn about them. Uh, and, and if we do study about the worship of Molech, we know that, you know, there was some, there was some sacrifice of, of babies and children. Um, and we know that those types of things were happening and possibly more. But we also realized that as Israel um, goes on their journey with God, there are many a times where Israel adopts these same practices um, that God tells them not to adopt and they do it anyway. And they do it anyway. And so that's what we know about 
the areas and the surrounding areas as far as what we learn scripturally about them? Yeah, it's a good question. Anastasia said, this question is popping in my mind. Why is God fighting for the Israelites like this? Is it because they have been slaves for too long and wanted them to live in freedom? Or is it because of the promise he made to their forefathers? Come on. That is an interesting question. So according to scripture, whew, according to scripture, it is the, the idea is that God made a promise to Abraham. And therefore, he's keeping his promise to Abraham. And then it's also, we learn that the countries in which this is happening, there is some type of egregious sin that God is dealing with at the same time. So there was there was a couple of things that are happening simultaneously. There's actually a scripture in the Old Testament. I can't remember where it is. And if somebody else remembers where it is, where it talks about the sin of those nations hadn't reached their full yet. And so the, it couldn't be dealt with then. So he waited all this time. And then when the sin got to like, okay, enough, then he came and, and used the children of Israel to judge the nations. Similarly to what we see him do with Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, so Sodom and Gomorrah, a lot of times people liken Sodom and Gomorrah to like homosexuality, but that's not, we got to understand what was really going on when God stepped into Sodom and Gomorrah. What, what was happening when God stepped into Sodom and Gomorrah was rape, um, specifically men raping other men. Um, and a lot of people would talk about like just all this different type of stuff. But anyway, basically what it said, what was said was that the prayers um, of the people. So somebody was praying in Sodom and Gomorrah. Is it the prayers of either the people or maybe people that came and visited and were um, fell victim to this? They said the prayers reached up to God and it was so bad that God said that he came down to see and make sure that the sin was actually as bad as the prayers were saying it was. And then when God, when the, 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 the angels went into Sodom and Gomorrah, they saw that it was horrible. The, the fact that the, the, the people were wanting to rape them. So anyway, I say all this to say, when we see God step in like this, typically it is something is going on in those cities where it's just gotten to the full and it's horrible. And so that is just kind of the character of God that we see throughout. It's like there is some horrible, egregious something going on. So it's twofold that, that he did make a promise to Abraham, but there was also just crazy sin in the area um, that he was addressing, according to scripture. So yeah, y'all, this chapter is heavy. Donita said, I keep in mind that there's no Jesus and salvation back in that time. So a lot of the reconciliation back to God happens so differently than we experience today. So I often have to press toward the fact that all of this leads to God making the process of reconciliation easier for us with his son's sacrifice. Ooh, yes. But we also have to understand that it was hard for them. So it's so it's hard for them when Jesus came to accept that this is how God was going to do things. It was like, no, God fights. There's war. There's bloodshed. And Jesus came and shed his own blood instead of the blood of those that we would consider the enemy. 
And so it was a completely different strategy than they were used to. And again, pressing into the question, why the stark contrast? Ha, just keeps hitting me. Barb says, contracts is all throughout this chapter. Obedience followed by victory, victory followed by blessing, blessings followed by pride and disobedience, disobedience followed by defeat. Yep. And then repeat. Yep. Donita says, uh, no, Erica says, they went without God to battle and ran away. God used that. Okay. Y'all are going to do that again. This time I'm going to, I'm going to have you turn around and destroy AI. God can turn it around. Come on. Allison said, Jesus came to show love, to show a different way to conquer evil. Can I, can I tell y'all something? And y'all might think I'm crazy. Y'all might think I'm crazy, but it is definitely something that I'm grappling with here. Jesus came in a different way. Jesus came in a different way. Oh, Shabrina is telling me a, 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 a scripture, so I want to make sure I see. Jesus came in a different way. Before I, before I say that, let's go to this scripture. Joshua or Genesis 15, 16, she says. Uh, ah, there we go. In the fourth generation, they will return here for the iniquity of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Yep, exactly. So this is where he's telling Abraham, he says in verse 13, so this is back to the question about the people. Um, Genesis chapter 15, starting in verse 13. Thank you, Shabrina. It says, then the Lord said to Abraham, know this for certain, your offspring will be resident aliens for 400 years in a land that does not belong to them and will be enslaved and oppressed. This is, um, this is, referring to Egyptian slavery, right? He's telling this to Abraham before Abraham even has all these offspring, right? So he says, they will be, they will be um, enslaved and oppressed. However, I will judge the nation they serve and after they will go and afterward, they will go out with many possessions, but you will go to your father in peace and be buried in good old age. In the fourth generation, they will return here. Where is here? Here is the land of Canaan. It's where Abraham is right now, which is where they are fighting right now. It says, they will return here for the iniquity of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. So basically what God is telling Abraham is, Abraham, you can't take over this land. I can't give it to you because the Amorites, the bad that they're going to do hasn't reached its full yet, right? So God's like, I'm, I can't just take away land unless they've done something to extremely offend me. Like I can't just take away their land, but I know their hearts and that in the fourth generation, they are going to do this, right? They are going to, they're going to do that. So thank you, Shabrina. Yes. Thank you, Shabrina. And Allison says, God, Jesus came to show love, to show a different way to conquer evil. Allison says, showing love can be one of the hardest commandments to follow. But when we obey and follow God's leading of showing love, we know that God will help fight the battles. We don't have to physically fight. You know, the interesting thing about what God is leading me to at this point, at this point in my walk with him. And that's, this is what I'm going to say. Y'all might think I'm crazy. So you don't, 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 don't just take what Donnie's saying. This is just where I'm, where I'm at as I'm reading. Some people may be struggling with Joshua. I know I've always struggled with Joshua, 
This is one of the things that I'm looking at when I think about the stark difference between Jesus and Joshua. And I look back at what Moses did. Do you remember when the children of Israel, um, they were doing so bad. This was like with the, the, the golden calf and everything. And Moses stood interceding in between the wrath of God and humanity. He stood in between the wrath of God and humanity, and he reminded God of what God's desire and will was. And he said, wait, 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 God. And he said, you know, what are the people, what are the Egyptians going to think? And, da, 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 da. and he stood between the wrath of God and the children of Israel. And we see Jesus doing the same thing. And it made me think, and I know that this is like, we're in Joshua and we want to celebrate that they're taking the promised land. And it's really great that they're taking the promised land. But when Jesus came, he did it differently. He stood like Moses did, but on a whole nother level and was like, oh, I'm going to stand and I'm going to intercede for the people. And I'm going to intercede for the people and I'm going to give them a, a way of escape. And so why am I saying all of this and where am I going with all of this? One of the things that I wonder is if, if we champion God's heart over what he can give us. That's just hitting me. Like, am I willing to champion God's heart over what I can get from him? Like, what, am I willing to check in with God and say, God, I... Yes, I hear you, but I just want to, I want to know your heart on this matter. I want to know God, like, I want to take, speak your heart back to you. Like, am I willing to champion God's heart? Because I think back to Joshua and like, we know Joshua had great faith. God told him to be strong and courageous and all this stuff. But I think back to Joshua and when it didn't look like God was going to do the thing and when it didn't look like God was going to give them what he wanted. He was like, God, where are you? Like, we should be wiping the floor with these people. What happened? It was never really a check-in with God. And we realized that Josh, God never really calls Joshua his friend like he calls Moses his friend. That, that type of relationship doesn't happen between God and Joshua. I'm not saying they don't have a good relationship, but that's just not the relationship that we see. And so I look back at this and I look at what's happening and I'm like, man, is there ever a point where I'm willing to do, I'm willing for everybody else to just be hurt, really? If, if it means I get what I want, if it means I get a land. But then when you look at Jesus, he did something else. He said, look, I, I only do what I see my father do. And my mission is, is to, to, to follow his heart and not to obtain some material possession here on earth. And because of that, I am willing to look weak to everybody else so that God can be made strong. It is a complete stark contrast. And do we notice the contrast? When we started, in, and that's why I said, I think we need to take the whole of the scripture, right? When we start in Genesis, when we start in Genesis and the fall happens, why does the fall happen? Why? 
because they wanted to be God without God. They wanted the, and, and, and a lot of times people say, well, they ate the fruit of knowledge and that's why the fall happened. No, the specific tree was the knowledge of good and evil. They wanted to make a determination between I'm good, you're bad, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm I'm better, you're bad. That is what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is. A lot of times people talk about the tree of the the, the tree of knowledge as if you know science knowledge or all these things are bad, but the tree was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And over and over and over again throughout the Old Testament, we see that that we see this, this thing where it's like, no, I want this. God, do this for me. But anyway, so Jesus does something different. Jesus does something completely different. It's a stark contrast. Did God change? Did God change? Or was there finally someone on the earth that actually cared about what he, what he really wanted? Did God change or was there actually someone that was walking the earth that cared more about what God wanted than about what we want? Did God change? Because we know that his, his desire is the same. And we know that God is, is, is going to do what God is going to do to get it where it needs to be. He will use the hearts and the deceitful hearts of humanity to get to where we need to be. And if the point that he's trying is he's, he's getting us to, if the point that he's getting us to is Jesus, and if Jesus Christ shows the heart of the father, then is, are some of the battles that we see showing the heart of the father or the heart of man? Are we missing what happens and how God has to interact with us when we refuse to champion his heart? Random thoughts that flow through my brain as I'm reading the scriptures. And we family here so we could talk about it. Yes, Joshua was great. It was wonderful. But there's such a stark contrast between Jesus and Joshua. Why? We know God didn't change. What changed? What changed? The vessel. What do we know about Jesus? Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is, people say, fully God, fully man, right? And he, and he championed the heart of God at all, at all times. And what was the heart of God? Redemption and reconciliation for humanity. He championed the heart of God at all times. And guess where that got him? It got him nailed to a cross. But he championed the heart of God at all times. Can I honestly say that what I want and what I desire is championing the will of God. Do I honestly care? Do I honestly care about the lives and the souls that may be impacted negatively by what I'm doing in order to get what I want? Am I willing to champion the, 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 the true mission of God.
the, the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day, they didn't want Jesus. They wanted another Joshua. They wanted a warrior. They wanted someone to come and they wanted someone to, to, to defeat Rome. They wanted someone to slaughter the enemy. They wanted someone to take them out so that they could be free from the oppression of Rome. They didn't care about how Rome would feel about it. They wanted someone to come in and just take out the enemy so that they could be free. And here comes Jesus. Not only did he not do what they wanted, but now Romans are getting saved. What? Salvation is being offered to the Gentiles. And guess who wasn't happy? The religious leaders were not happy about none of it. And the question becomes, are we willing to champion God's will to the point where we will stand like Moses and say, oh, wait, God, hold on. I know what's important to you, God, and I know you're upset. Are we willing to do that? I mean, that's what intercession really is. And that's why Jesus Christ died. Why? Because he said, I'll take on your anger, God. I'll stand because I know you love them. So I'll take on your anger. I'll take it, God. You we have to understand what it really means to be an intercessor, to stand in the gap, to say, God, I know what you really want. And I understand that you're upset, but God, I will stand in the gap right here and I will pray and I will petition you, Lord, and I will remind you of what your desire really is, God. And we have to think about Moses. God was giving Moses the opportunity to, to have a kingdom of his own. God said, look, I'm so upset with these folks that I'm gonna wipe them all out and I'll start a nation with you, Moses. And Moses gave up the, the opportunity to have a whole nation started in his name and in his line. He gave that up. And he said, no, God, because that's not what you really want. I know it's not what you really want. And I'm going to stand here. I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm, I'm going to stand here. And guess what? God called Moses his friend. We don't see that often. But we miss what Moses did. Moses was willing to see God, to really see God and not to just take what he could get from God. Okay, God, you're going to give this to me. Oh, that means somebody else got to lose their job for me to get it. That's fine. Go ahead and let them lose it, God. Hallelujah for my opportunity, my breakthrough. I don't care what happens to nobody else. Woo! Thank you, Jesus, for my promised land. But then you see Jesus come in and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We see Jesus willing to stand in the gap. Why? Willing to take sin on himself. Why? Because he knew God loved these people. He knew God loved us. Because he knew God loved us. And he was willing to say, God, I love you so much that I don't want you to go through the pain 
Come on. Having to wipe out people, having to deal with. No, I will stand in the gap. We got to understand. Jesus didn't do what he did for us. He did what he did for God. This is what we have to understand. Are we willing to champion God's mission? Or do we want what we want? And then when we don't get what we want, we go complaining to God. Why didn't you why didn't you show up for me, God? Why didn't you answer my prayer, God? Why didn't you um do this, God? You said you would do this. Why didn't you do it? Lord, why did my 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 loved one have to die? And why didn't you do this? And why didn't you do that? And God and da, 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 da. Just like, just like Joshua did when they lost an AI. Why didn't you come through? Why did you even lead us out here? We don't care about God. Do we really care about God? Do we really care about God? Do we care about his mission? What do we remember what the 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 Jesus my God? Do we remember what the commander of the Lord's army said? Joshua was concerned with you for them or for me? You for them or you for us? What did the commander of the Lord's army say? Neither. It ain't about you. It's about God. His heart was the one that was broken and shattered into a million pieces when we chose somebody else, when we chose something else. It was his heart that was shattered. It was him that was in pain. It was him that gave us everything and we rejected it. The commander of the Lord's army is like, I ain't here for you and I ain't here for them. I'm here for God. Who, Jesus. It was God's heart that was shattered when we started hating each other. It was God's heart that was shattered when Adam and Eve went against each other and this person fought and that person fought. It was God's heart that was shattered when they chose not to listen to him. It was God's heart that was shattered when they chose a, a serpent over having a relationship with him. It was God's heart that was shattered. It was God's heart that was shattered when Cain killed his brother. It was God's heart that was shattered. And why did Adam and Eve eat the fruit? Why? Because they wanted they wanted what they wanted. Why did Cain kill his brother? Why? Because he wanted what he wanted. So all throughout the scriptures, even when we see, woohoo, they're taking the land. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking it. It's great, wonderful. We're seeing the, the faithfulness of God. But when will anybody stand up and say, God, is this what you really want? Or is this just what you're doing so that you can show us the Messiah when he gets here? Is this just what you had to do to show us the Messiah when he comes because we wouldn't see it any other way? 
is this really your heart? Or is this just you working with the hearts that men give you? Because God doesn't change. So how can there be such a stark contrast between Joshua and Jesus? Do we care about the heart of God? Do we care about what God wants? Do we ever stop to say, wait, God, is this what you really want? Recently, I was talking to my husband about, about moving out of the area I live in. I'll be honest. I feel like it's the hood. It is. There's so much mess going on. And I'm like, I just want to get out of here. I just want to get out of here. I don't even care. I just want to get out of here. Lord, get me out of here. I just don't, I just feel like so many things are going on around us, but yet I still keep hearing the heart of the Holy Spirit for the people here. I don't go outside much. <laughs> Real talk. I mean, I'm being honest. I don't go outside much. I don't interact with the people much. Why? Because I'm just like, nope, nope. But God keeps doing this thing in my heart where he's like, don't move. Pray. I love these people. And for a while, I'll be honest, I haven't been willing. I mean, I'll be praying, but I don't go outside like that. And I complain all the time about the people I live around. And I almost have a, well, that's what they get type of attitude when stuff happens because I'm like. Psh. And then I'm like, Lord, just move me to my promised land. Get me up out of this mess. But when's somebody going to step up for what God wants? When are we going to stop trying to find our earthly promised land? And willing to, to do whatever it takes to get there. When are we going to stop fighting for our earthly promised land and stand and intercede and pray and love on people and let God's love flow? When are we going to stop? When are we going to actually champion God's heart? When are we going to stop trying to leave our job because it's uncomfortable and ask God, what do you really want from me here? Come on, Brenda said, walk around your neighborhood and pray out loud. I'm going to do that today. You know what? I have not been doing it. I've just been like, get me out. Take me out. I don't care what happens to the people here. I mean, it's horrible. I hate to say it, but I've got to say it. I've got to say it and repent, Lord. I repent, Lord. I turn from that wickedness where you just don't care what happens to nobody else. As long as you get yours, as long as your family's fine. But when is it going to be about what God wants? God's heart was always to send Jesus. That was always his plan. That was always his heart. It didn't change. But he dealt with the hearts of man the way the hearts of man allow them in themselves to be dealt with. But God's heart was always for us to stay in the garden. God's heart was always, he knew we weren't going to choose him. And yet 
he keeps coming after us. So we're praying and praying and praying for our promised land. But when will we start to ask God what was on his heart? What does he want to see out of this season of our lives? We're praying and praying and praying for God to show us our purpose. But when are we going to care about his? We see Moses stand in the gap for the children of Israel. We see Jesus literally take on the punishment. Why? Because they championed God's heart, not just what God, not just his power, not just what he could get us. God's heart. Yeah, it might be hard where where you are right now. I'm living in a place where I just don't want to live here. But will I love the people? Will I make a decision to champion God's heart instead of my own? Allison said, this thing came to mind. Many people do things or check boxes thinking they're avoiding hell. But how many are doing things because they care about God? Many times we do stuff to try to avoid punishment, to try to avoid difficulty, to try to avoid, like, it's like, how can I make my life as comfortable as it possibly can? God, make my life as comfortable as it possibly can be. But how often are we willing to put the heart of God on the back burner? Because we we want to be comfortable. Because we want our own personal promised land. I believe that there's a difference between Joshua and Jesus on purpose. I believe that their names are the same in Hebrew on purpose. I believe that there's something that we're supposed to see here on purpose. I believe that the discomfort and the tension is there on purpose. I believe that we see the differences between Moses and Joshua on purpose. Are we willing to stand up and clap when nations of people are getting slaughtered because, whoop, at least I got my promise. You're faithful to me. Are we like, God, is this what you really want? Are we willing to ask, God, is this what you really want? 
Or is this you working with the hearts that men give you? Come on. Erica said, are we distracting ourselves from God's heart? Come on. Jessica said, if you can reach us, Damo, you are more than able to reach your physical community. Praise the Lord. Oh. Y'all, I want to tell you a really quick story. So there was two schools. I told you there was two schools that my kids got into. And one school I really wanted my kids to go to. And it was in Laurel. And you may not be from here, but Laurel is like, it, it would take me about 40 minutes away from this community to get them to school. And let me tell you, I was willing to do it. I was like, we got to get them out of here. We going to get y'all all the way over there. And did you know that the only way I could have taken them to the school is if I stopped doing mornings with Jesus? The only way I could have got them on time is if I stopped doing it. And do you know that my desire from that for that promised land I considered it. I considered it. I considered it. I considered stopping mornings with Jesus so that I could drive my kids 40 minutes away from here to take them to a school away from here because I was so concerned about my personal promised land that I was willing to lay down something God commissioned me to do that I know that God told me to do. I was willing to lay it down if it meant that they would just go to that school over there. The other school was 15 minutes from the house. Both of them are, are decent schools. They're good schools. But I was like, nah, we can't live around here with these people. Ugh, it sounds so horrible coming out of my mouth. We can't live around here with these people. I got to get them out of the neighborhood with these people. Because I don't want them to turn out like these people. I mean, I'm just being honest. And it sounds horrible coming out of my mouth. But that's where I was. And thank God for my husband who was like, I don't think this is a good idea. And it, it shook me back into reality. Like, wait, hold up. I can't relinquish what God told me to do. And then today we're in Joshua. And God is, God is wrestling with me because he's like, are you going to cheer? Because, because the, the, the people at AI are now slaughtered. Or are you going to wonder why the stark difference? Are you going to cheer because you got your kids out of the, the city you live in? Is that what you want? To get away from the people? Or are you going to be willing to champion the heart of God? Even if that means you got to sit in uncomfortable places. Even if that means you got to find a way to love the people that God loves. Are you going to, are you going to, are you going to be willing to love who God loves? Are you going to be willing to love humanity, to love humanity? 
Or are you going to constantly be like, eh, not them, not that one, uh-uh, not that one. But are we going to be willing to champion God's heart? Are we going to be willing to pray? Right? Come on. Jessica says, uh, you're human. God understands your heart. Repent and move on. Yep, I repented, but I, I, I don't want to move on too fast. Right? No condemnation here. I don't want to move on too fast. Because I believe there's a lesson here for me and for us all. Check your heart. Do I, am I really championing the heart of God? Be willing to sit in that discomfort. It's not condemnation, but be willing to sit in that discomfort and be willing to really answer the question. Am I really championing the heart of God here? Or do I just want what I want? Or do I just want what I want? My children are going to the, the, the school that's 15 minutes away, praise the Lord. But but God is challenging me to get out here. Like like uh, somebody said it, to go out, I think it was Shabrina, to go out and pray for the city, to walk around my neighborhood and to pray. Donita said, the lesson I'm hearing is check in with God's heart over my plans. We see Joshua. Nobody ever checked in with God's heart. They were just like, cool, God's given us the land. God's given us the city. Awesome. Let's do it. And then when stuff didn't go their way, they were like, did you leave us? They didn't check in with God's heart. They, were like, they didn't say, are you, are you okay? Is everything okay? Like But that's what Donita said is, is hitting my heart. Check in with God's heart over my plans. Brandy said, I, I live in Baltimore City. Over the years, there have been shootings on my street. I don't consider where I live as hood, but it's Baltimore. I've prayed to move. And, and God may move us, right? It's not, not necessarily a, a bad thing, but while I'm here, God has me here for a reason. While I'm here, will I champion God's heart? And my job that I'm uncomfortable with and my neighborhood that I might be uncomfortable with and my situation that I might be uncomfortable with, will I champion God's heart here and, and really see, God, what is it that you want here? What is it that you want here? What is your heart here? Bevy says, I'm grateful to God to be feeling well and woke. Amen. And she also says, it's all about God's timing and our obedience if we are, if, if we are successful yet. Amen. But am I championing God? God doesn't change, y'all. Sometimes people think that the God of the Old Testament, oh, he's so hard and he's so long. The God of the New Testament, woohoo, praise God for Jesus. And then we look at the God in the garden and we're like, oh, he was great till he kicked them out. <laughs> but God, the heart of God never doesn't change. So we have to understand the tension. What is he showing us between these two testaments in scripture about himself and about how he operates with the humans that are here? 
Barb says, but that's how we are conditioned. Truly, when our eyes are opened, now you have a choice. God wants willing and cheerful response, not just good deeds. Come on. Shanda said, I struggle with loving those I feel are unlovable, especially my loud music playing next door neighbor. <laughs> I pray about this all the time. It's a struggle, but I know God wants me to love and to pray. And to share our testimonies and to share the gospel. I see my sister, April, sis, I've been praying for you. I'm so glad to see you. Amen. Come on, God. God wants us to champion his will in his heart. Allison said, what if we can be the ones to show love to people? to people where we work, to people in our neighborhoods, to people in traffic, to people in lines at the checkout, to people we don't like? What if we are willing to share our testimony? Come on, sometimes we don't share our testimony, why? Because it's uncomfortable, because we don't wanna be judged. But come on, what if, what if the most powerful thing we could do is share our testimony? Are we willing? Are we willing to champion God's heart and to talk to people that, that we wouldn't talk to normally? <sighs> My God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brenda says, the Lord never changes. <sighs> Hallelujah. Bella says, so true. It's fear. <laughs> the honest, the honest truth is why? Why don't Dominique? Why don't you want? Uh, why don't you want to engage in your community? It's fear. Why do you want your kids to go to a school that's forty minutes away? It's fear. I don't want my kids to turn. I'm afraid of my kids turning out like the neighborhood. It's fear. But what does the scripture say? Perfect love casts out fear. Most racism perpetuates why? Fear. Fear. Right. Most of the time we 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 fight for for certain things is for, and not champion God's will. Why? It's fear. I'm afraid that if I champion God's will and not my own, that I won't get my own stuff. I'm afraid. It's fear. Come on. Jessica said, I've learned perfect love equals mature love. Right. Mature love, whole love. That word perfect. Janice led us to that. Janice led us to that yesterday, that term perfect. 
It doesn't mean like without flaw. It just means whole, complete. Not halfway love, complete. <sighs> I'm gonna go out today and I'm gonna pray around this neighborhood. And you know, it's funny, like my neighborhood probably isn't the, the hood. It just, I consider it that because of where I grew up, it wasn't like this. There wasn't a lot of, um, there wasn't a lot of shooting, violence, things like that. I just didn't grow up like that. And my husband, this is, you know what? This is my husband's hometown. He has a love for the people here. And I'm looking at him every five seconds like, we need to move. And he's like, he has a love. He has a godly love for the people. He does. And I believe wholeheartedly that's why God has us here is because my husband has a love for the people. Will we champion God's will? Will we champion God's heart? <laughs> Just because, baby, I'm from the east side of Detroit. That's the hood. Yeah, come on. So, some people will come here and be like, Dominique, this is not the hood. I mean, there's violence and stuff going on, but it ain't. You all right? <laughs> but yeah, anyway. The book of Joshua is really showing me like, yes, praise God that he kept his promise, but also to recognize my heart in the matter. Am I willing to champion God's will, even if that means like Moses, that I stand in the gap and say, oh, wait, is this what you really want, God? Even if it means that I'm uncomfortable, even if it means that I don't get what I want, am I willing to stand in the gap so that God's will will be accomplished. Am I willing? Am I willing? And I don't have to go out and find out what that means. It's just, just a daily heart check. Am I willing? Am I willing? Barb says, violence is all over, but let us be the vessel God uses to bring light. In my town of 15,000, it is the top 10 most violent per capita, and it angers me. My husband used to say this, and we're going to close out. My husband always says this. He says, well, Dominique, if we take all the light out of a place, then what happens? If you have light to offer where you are and God is not moving you, will you be willing for God's sake? The New Testament tells us to do all these things as unto the Lord. 
as unto the Lord. If you look at whether or not the people around you deserve this and that. And you won't be doing it for God. You'll be doing it for them. But if you do it for God's sake, with his heart on your mind. Come on. Erica said, who did Jesus hang out with? Okay, we done. That took me out. All right. And that's there. Who did Jesus hang out with? Mic drop. Got it. Got it, Lord. Got it. Understood. Message received. Message received. Got it. Got it. Come on. Whoop. There it is. Okay. Let's pray. Ah. Father God, we thank you, Lord, so much for who you are. <laughs> that the Lord, even in the, the, the scriptures that are that have tension, that you're pointing us to a complete story. Lord, I thank you that we can't really read any part of scripture without connecting it to Jesus. And if we, if we do that, if we, if we read it in isolation of Jesus, we would get a false picture of your heart. But if we look at the God you were in the garden who desired connection with humanity, and if we look at the God you were when you sent Jesus, and we look at your desire for your connection with humanity, and when we look at your response when Moses stood in the gap, and your connection with humanity. We get a fuller picture of your heart. We get a fuller picture of your heart. Lord, let us learn to hold on to you and to champion your heart and your will. No matter where we are, no matter how uncomfortable it is, no matter how we wish things might be different or changed, Lord, let us be willing to champion your will and your heart right where you have us. Let us not forget about you. Let us not forget about you when we're in seasons of just hard times. Lord, help us to remember your mission to redeem and reconcile humanity back to you. Lord, we thank you. We pray that you continue to show us any holes in our theology or anything, Lord, but we we just ask that you just continue to show us you, even when it's uncomfortable. And Lord, like Erica said, remind us who Jesus hung out with, the people that everyone else had given up on. 
that shows your heart. It shows your heart. Father God, we just thank you for your heart. Even in chapters like this, where it's hard to see it with the war and the bloodshed. But we thank you that Joshua is not a standalone book. It's a book within the context of the Bible and we have to learn to read it all and to understand how one book impacts the other. So Lord, we thank you. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I love you guys. I love you guys. And I pray that God will continue to show us um, how to love him and how to love people. And what that looks like, um, what that looks like. Uh, like, thank you, Erica. Like, comment, share, and subscribe. Um, come on, Brenda said, blessings all. Get out and pray up in your hood. Come on, in the neighborhood. Let's go pray. Why? Because God loves our neighbors. He does. Hallelujah. God is good. His heart is amazing. All right. Yeah. Like, sorry, I'm all up in, I'm like, oh, ooh, God's doing the thing in my head. It's like, oh, thank you, Lord. God is so awesome. Um, like, comment, share, subscribe. Like, comment, share, and subscribe. Um, if this ministry has blessed your life in any way, please consider giving. It really does help us to continue doing this work and the more work we want to do. Um, and if you are um, a single mom, consider joining the single moms uh, group that, that Nydia just started in the app. Um, we also have a warrior wives group that meets tonight. There's so many announcements. Just check the app. Make sure you download the app. Check the app for the announcements. Praise God for Lanita who posted the announcements up at the top. Um, yeah. And we love you guys. All right. I think that's it. Have an amazing day. And remember, to champion the heart of God, ask yourself daily, ask God daily, Lord, what's on your heart? I love y'all. Bye for now.